Uh, let me pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this time and place that we're together and gathered in your name. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, round uh, this sermon series to an end, consider where we've been this term and consider what you plan for us for eternity. Lord, help us to be sober-minded, clear-headed, give us ears to hear, hearts to be open, minds are engaged, and we pray for your uh, guiding through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, can you believe that it's Christmas time? <laughs> it's just, it is crazy. It's sort of, it, it, it was coming and coming and coming. It's here. The decorations are out. I don't know if you noticed that as we came in through the gate, there was one of our trees had been decorated. Our Arvo Kids Club had fun on Friday night uh, gathering, uh, decorating it. And if you think it looks okay in the daylight, you should see it at night. It does shine. It lights up. And so a little indication as cars drive past our church that we're doing, we're in the Christmas spirit as well. And we should be more than anybody else uh, as Christians who um, are, who know that Jesus has come and that he is coming again. And that is the bookend of, of our existence, of my existence, uh, coming into the world knowing that Jesus has come and that one day he will return. We're doing, we've been doing our sermon series on growing a healthy church, how to grow a healthy church, not just be a church, not just what you do at church, but how, would, how, do, we, how do we water, how do we feed, what direction do we um, point ourselves in in order to be a, a healthy church? Um, at home, I've got a lemon tree that was gifted to me a, a couple of years ago, and I've really struggled. I thought lemon trees looked after themselves, but uh, I've really struggled to sort of get this going. And the other day, I've noticed that it was, it's growing in one strong direction. I have done some pruning, pruning over, the time, over the years, but the other day, I just decided I'll just swing it 180 degrees and trick it. It's been growing towards the sun. I thought, I'm going to just make it work harder and try and find it. It's just, it's lost where the sun is, and now it has to, has to turn around and, and head in the other direction. Uh, how to grow something healthy. If you know how to grow something, then, we should, then that's what we should put our efforts into. What other things we should do, shouldn't do. Friends, this series, and we're going to, I'll, I'll end this talk with a somewhat of a summary so you can remember where we've come from and where we're going, what, what we've established. But this series, um, Growing a Healthy Church, I don't want anyone to walk away from this series thinking, well, Simon just wants us to do better. Yeah, just be better, would you? That's a horrible thing to say. Just do what you're doing, just do it better. No, um, in fact, in some ways, we can even do less things, but we choose to do the right things, and then we do them well. Uh, not work harder, just work smarter is what we want to do as a church. Know where you're walking. You know, if you're going, you know, in a car trip, and you're... Um, you want to head to, to Brisbane for the holidays, then you get to the, you get to the uh, M4 here, and if you turn right on the M4, you know you're going the wrong way. And it doesn't matter how hard you drive, uh, how, what, how shiny the car is that you're driving, what petrol you put in there, and whether you service the car, if you turn the wrong direction, you're going to go the wrong way. So we just want to make sure, as a church, we're heading in the right direction. We know where we're going. I learnt this week that... Worker bees uh, live for about a month. I didn't realise their life was so short. About 30 days, 60 days, it depends on the season, I'm told. But the worker bee uh, works all its life for a, a good 30 days. Now, can you imagine if you, had, uh, if you were told at birth that you've got about 30 days to live? Would you spend it working? I don't know. 
uh, as a bee, I might say, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and see the world. I'll get my, my caravan and we'll do Australia in, in less than 30 days. They literally work themselves to death, the worker bee. But aren't we thankful for the worker bee? Uh, because we get our beautiful honey. I bought a honeycomb uh, last, yesterday and enjoyed it for afternoon tea. And uh, the bees serve us well. I think the point really is that the, li the life of the bee is so short and yet it knows what it needs to do and it does it so well. Uh, our, our existence, when, we, when you sit back, and as we're going to do right now, as we sit back and think about our lives, our lives really are short. And we can do one of two things. We can say, life is short, let's just go hard and, and party and do whatever we like, let's enjoy it, make the most of this life. Or we can look at the gospel, what the gospel says, that this life is nothing compared to eternity. And so set your hearts towards eternity and make that the most important thing of your life and of, uh, of what we do here at church. The summary of this talk really is to put two things in priority. To prioritise knowing God in, your li in our lives, prioritise knowing God and getting that right not just a shallow understanding of who he is, but a deep understanding, one that expects to know him and to grow in our knowledge of him and to go on to, for all eternity, to prioritise knowing God and prioritise gospel work. In other words, that other people will know God as well. To know God in, in spirit and in truth, not the way that we invent him, but the way that he has made himself known. And at Christmas time, what a great... This is the best, best time of the year to point to the moment in history where God made himself most known, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Well, Psalm 90, this talk has got two points. Uh, uh, Psalm 90 is going to take the first point that life is short, uh, the brevity of life, the brevity of life. And so if you have a Bible, you might like to turn to, to Psalm 90. I'll read it a little bit. It's not a hard psalm to understand. Uh, you read it and I, I've broken it up into four four stages of understanding. The first thing in verses 1 and 2 is this, the point that God is eternal. God is eternal. Verses 1 and 2, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Not complicated words, is it? The verse 2 in particular, before the mountains even were a thought, before the mountains, which are, in our way of thinking, the mountains are the established parts of the world, aren't they? They're rock solid. You can't move a mountain. But before the mountains even were anything, God was there. He's, he is eternal from eternity to eternity. It takes moments for us to sit and just ponder that, that everything in this world that has matter, at one point in history, or even before time began, everything that currently has matter didn't matter. There was no, there was nothing, there was nothing there. Uh, there, was a, there was a time, and there was a time where time came into existence, and, it, and when God turned on the light bulbs and put, put matter in its place and designed where everything would go and then created mankind and put mankind on this planet. The mind blows kind of trying to think of that, about that. It's hard for us to fathom that there was a time when nothing here was. And there will be a time again when nothing is. Uh, 
Revelation 19, God, the earth, earth, heaven and earth uh, disappeared because God has no need for it anymore. Of course, there's a new heaven and a new earth. But God is eternal. Before everything existed, he was, and long after everything's gone, he still will be and will never cease to be. But we exist on this planet just for a short amount of time. Everything here is like vapour, like mist. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament uh, captures that idea, a um, bit of an irony that the, the book captures an idea that's vapour, it's meaningless, meaningless, but that's what the book of Ecclesiastes does. It says that everything here that we are so invested in and, and uh, build our life around is just, it will disappear. Just like the cloud in the morning when fog hits, the, hits the, the ground and by the middle of the day it's all gone and the sun burns it up. This actually reminds me, the, the eternal nature of God reminds me also that he is supreme and sovereign. That he is the one who designed, he is the, one, he is the project manager, he is the one who established everything and long after when, when it's time for him to move to the next stage, which is eternity, where the saints gather around the throne, that it will be in his control when that happened. It won't be climate change or a fragile sun. It won't be the material things that determine the end of all things. It'll be the, the one who determined the beginning who will determine the end. We're, we are in his hands, and that brings us to the second part of the, the psalm, that God is eternal, but, friends, you are not. You are not. Verse, verses 3 to 6. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to the dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. That's a great imagery of mankind, isn't it? A newborn baby comes into the world and everyone's full of hope. And we, we put on a different language, goo goo gaga, and uh, we rattle keys in front of the child thinking that's actually funny. Uh, we, and everything's happy and go lucky. The, the child grows older and we educate them and we look forward to them uh, leaving the nest and establishing a life. And, then, and every grown up I've ever met who's had kids uh, advise Jill and I that it, it'll go before you know it, time will pass, it'll fleet by. Um, well, it's still going. It feels like a long time. No, um, uh, but it's gone. And, and then you move to the next stage of life. And then before you know it, you're seeing more funerals than birthday parties. And the end is looming. It, it, it's fleeting. Now, the Psalm 90 says, you know, you might, live, you might live for 70 or 80 years. We've seemed to have cracked that somehow in our modern society, that uh, it's, it's becoming more common to go beyond 80, but they're just chronological years. They're just numbers. Uh, whether it's 100 or 120, there is an end to our existence. We are, not, we are not eternal, and death is inevitable. And so it, it makes sense that at, le at least us in this room ought to be serious about death and talk about it, uh, be conscious of it, make plans for it. it, it our, our Western society, our culture, has done a good jo job of, of hiding it um, because modern society doesn't have... Um, you don't see uh, the death in the streets or anything. It's, it's all contained in hospitals and morgues and 
funeral parlors that we, 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 do, we deal with death um, well, but it's hidden, it's not in our face. But again, the book of Ecclesiastes says it, it better, better, is, uh, better to dwell in the house of the morning than in the house of celebration. You know, parties are great, but parties come and go and the, and the festivity's over, but actually to attend a funeral is, sober, is sobering, reminds us of our destiny, of what we all need to face. And friends, death is more serious than we imagine. Let me read to you from verse 7. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. To confront death is, for, is to grow in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, says the Bible. And uh, these verses here in verse 7 to 12 remind us that death is not just a part of life. It actually, that sounds a bit odd, really, when you think about it, that death is just a part of life. Of course, death is what we ought to expect. That's the way that everything goes. Our kids' spot reminded us of that. But it's not naturally a part of our life. The death entered the world because of sin. That we die, our mortal bodies die because of the wrath of God, because of his anger, because of sin entering the world. And after we uh, face death, then we face judgment. And so death is more serious than we can imagine. We can grieve the loss of a loved one, go for that grieving process, but then pick ourselves up and get on with life. But friends, when we consider our own future, where you will be in 50, 60, 70 years, less for some of you, then we need to understand that death is in this world because of our sin. And so, as Moses says in Psalm 90, he cries out to the Lord. Death is full of trouble. Uh, Sorry, life is full of trouble and sorrow. They quickly pass and we fly away. Are we, just to, are we just to think of death in a poetic way and lament? But what can you do? Well, here's what we can do. Here's what the psalmist does. He cries out to the Lord. And the cry for help has actually had a reply. And the reply, friends, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. Relent, Lord. How long will it be, this suffering and this, this torment? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have been as seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So the psalmist, who's named Moses, uh, has turned to God, confessed that he is eternal, we are not. He has admitted that our life is fleeting, but in this life full of trouble, he turns even still to the Lord and says, have mercy on us, uh, shine your face on us, and make our hands busy in this lifetime. 
Show us what to do with our hands. And friends, the, the psalmist here uh, in Psalm 90 has written and, and uh, published this long before Jesus came, long before that very first Christmas, where God entered the world and said, here's my reply to your cry. This life of suffering and trouble, uh, of this fleeting life that you cannot keep hold of, it just flies away from you, God has entered the world and said, here is eternity. That Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said as he raised Lazarus from the death, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even though you die, says Jesus. God sent his active, his living word into the world to, to say these glorious things to us, that death is not the end. Death for those who turn to Christ is not the end. We, we ought to still be sober-minded and think seriously about our death, but we ought to actually rethink our death if we've come to Christ. That Jesus went to the cross, cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer to that question is because Jesus willfully went to the cross to take on our sin, the punishment that we deserve, the death that has entered this world because of our sin. Jesus died that death, not just the mortal death, but the wrath of God being absorbed on him so that we can have forgiveness, our, 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 our slate wiped clean. No matter what you've done in your life, when you come to Christ, all can be forgiven. Repent and believe the good news was the, the, the sermon of Jesus from the beginning to the end. Repent and believe the good news. We've, we've been blessed. Moses cries out for blessing. We've been blessed. Our world has been blessed to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And now our hands, he, he, Moses says, direct our hands, and our hands have been directed. If you cast your mind back to the beginning of this sermon series on a healthy church, we began with the words of Jesus, who said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and so stay where you are and just live out your days in, in peace and luxury. No, he said, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations because death is not the end and friends when we let our world just continue to believe that death is unstoppable and what can you do about it we say well god has done something about it and we want to tell you about jesus let me tell you about the lord of all creation who set the mountains in their place let me tell you about the one who was here long before anything mattered and everything that matters to us is passing away but when we put jesus as the center of our life when he matters the most to us then we have not just 70, 80, 90 or 100 years to flesh out. We have eternity, eternity to enjoy him. And friends, I'm convinced that it won't be a boring eternity as if you know, 100 years will pass by and I'll enjoy that, but then I'll get bored. No, I, I think that we're designed to live in connection with our God, our maker. You are not here separate of God. Whether the world believes in him or not, he is the one who's made us and designed us and planned something for us. And what he's planned for us is to dwell with him, to live for eternity with him. And so, friends, we need to, we need to rethink life. There's two things. Once we come face to face with the reality of death, there's two things we can do. We either live hard and fast or we direct our paths towards the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, Give us something to do. Help us to serve you in this kingdom. So I've got a couple of verses uh, that make up this second point. 
And the first one is stolen from last week. Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, as we considered looking at the fields, as we considered going out and making disciples of all nations and not just doing, making church great, but seeing the thousands and thousands who are lost, who need to hear the, the words of Jesus, who need to meet their maker and become friends with God through Jesus Christ, we read 2 Corinthians 5 and these words, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That's the substitution. You can go and listen to that sermon last week, but Jesus died in, as a substitution for all who would put their trust in him so that we don't have to face the wrath of God. Jesus faced the wrath of God for us. And therefore, that verse continues, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We've been given something to do. When we turn to Christ, it's actually as if you've already died. Uh, when he died on the cross, you died with him. When you give your life to Christ, what you're doing is you're turning your back on all that this world offers, all of this world promises and can't deliver, and you turn to Christ who you know delivers. He gives us eternity and it sets it in our hearts and delivers it on the plate. We, we direct our lives to him, and so we put ourselves to death to this world. We're, we're done with the dreams and the ambitions of this world, and we, we fo we're refocused to him. It's as if we're already dead. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, uh, not that one, uh, says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on things above. Since you've been raised with Christ... Set your mind on things above. It's a very clear piece of scripture, isn't it? Our, our, when you, if you think about going bushwalking, you're at the beginning of the bush track and you know where you're heading, you're destined for the lookout. You've got a beautiful lookout. People have told you it's, a great, it's worth, well worth the effort. It's well worth the climb. And you set out and you take the first step and you've headed in the direction of the lookout. You don't go the opposite way. Since you know the destination, then then set your minds on, on that. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, I remember you might cast your mind back to the series we did in 1 Peter, and this was the verse that I repeated almost every week. We've been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have engaged in something new. The old is gone, the new has come, so let's, let's set our minds there. And Philippians 1 verse 21, see, friends, our, our priority is on this earth while we're waiting for Christ to return or for him to take us home our priority is the kingdom of God Philippians 1 verse 21 which was our Bible reading our New Testament reading Paul says to live is Christ to die is gain for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain did you hear that Bible reading and Paul was undecided what he should do I'm not sure what power he had to decide but he was troubled do I want to go to eternity with God? His answer is, of course I do. That would be the best thing. That's what I want to do. Or should I remain? And he says, I will remain, but I'll remain for your benefit. I'll remain because while I live on this mortal planet, I will be living for Christ. I won't be living for myself. I'm living for Christ. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our treasure is the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 to 58. 
Um, let me look it up. It's not written on my piece of paper and I can't read that on the back. So you can read it while I'm looking it up. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 58. Paul, uh, Paul just finished saying, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through the, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let me just read that. That's the sentence we're ending our... That's the verse we're ending the rest of this sermon on. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. It's uh, very logical there. When God is... When God is convinced that Jesus is the only way to eternity, when God tells us that eternity is way better than this earth, when God says, here's my son who died for you, then your investment now is in, is in the kingdom of God, not in my kingdom or the kingdom of this world, then the conclusion, therefore, is don't spend any more time on things that are temporal. Spend the rest of your time on eternal things. Make that your priority. Always, I think that's a very clear Word, always, not sometimes, give yourself fully, not partially, to the work of the Lord. And Paul's not writing to preachers and ministers. He's writing to the church in Corinth. It's, uh, it's startling, isn't it? And I want to flesh out just three things, uh, three stages of life, I think. And what I'm, what I'm going to do is I can't prescribe what to do. We're, we're, you're all unique, you're all individuals, and God has... Uh, is working in you through the Holy Spirit. If you've turned, given your life to Christ, then you are, you are God's uh, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And the specifics really are up to you. And I advise you to sit, next, sit with a, a, another Christian friend and have a chat about what, what should you be doing between now and eternity with your life. Um, I want to just repeat that our priority ought to be knowing God and making disciples. Um, so first of all, the early years. Let's just talk about the early years. I th I, this is a vague um, range, somewhere from um, birth to somewhere in your 20s, the early years, when you're learning what, who you are, what, what's this life about. You're trying to uh, learn from your, your parents or your guardians what your focus ought to be, in my suggestion, is to, um, to prioritise knowing God and being a disciple. Put knowing God on your first agenda. How do you come to know God through Jesus and how should you continue that life? And friends, if you know, most of our kids are out of the room, so I'm not even preaching to anyone here, but you, you who are looking after little ones, uh, they need discipling. They need to be told not just grow up and work it out for yourself. They need to be told, no, I've found the, the way. I know the way. And here's, here's what you should do. Um, here's how you get to know God. Come to church with me. Get involved with the kids' program. Go to other kids. Go to youth. And, and begin uh, reading the Bible with them. Uh, if you know who Jesus is, then teach them. And don't teach them just, oh, here's what I think. Say, this is what I know. I know that the Lord is here. 
I know that he's come, and I know he's coming back again. So this is, this is what I can impart on you. And so in doing that, you're being, a, you're being a disciple maker. Jesus said, go and make disciples. So if you're a parent, then your primary disciples are your young ones. Could be your grandchildren. Could be you've got friends in the neighbourhood who uh, you can get involved with their life. I think in the early years, your priority is knowing Christ and therefore knowing life. As we move on from that, somewhere in your 20s, uh, into many years to come, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it the established years, where you kind of know the direction. You're a carpenter, you're a boilermaker, you're a chef, whatever it is you are, or you know, you've got an income, you've got a place where you're living. The established years, it's very vaguely undefined, but I, th I think that you need to continue to know Christ, make that your priority, and also what is it you're contributing to, I think, I believe, the local church. As you've heard this series... Uh, Jesus said, go and make disciples. I believe that it's so much easier to make disciples when we're doing it together. Uh, so you don't have to make disciples and tally up how many disciples you've, you've made. Just connect with your local church and say, right, how are we doing this together? How are we getting on with the business of, of making Christ known and growing people up uh, in discipleship? I want to suggest that in these established years, you need to guard yourself against greed. You need to guard yourself against, um, uh, against greed. Uh, go back and listen to that talk we gave earlier this term about the only cure for greed is generosity. How are you growing in maturity? Um, I know I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old and I just have not stopped learning more about him. Uh, I, I hope I never will. I think there's just so much to know. Uh, the Bible is not just big it is deep and so keep on reading don't give up reading an old minister of mine used to say when you reach the age of 40 you stop learning anything now, he was being very cynical i think he was just saying that to challenge us to dare us to to prove him wrong um, don't reach an age where you think yeah i've done it i know it all i know enough to get by i think there's always more to learn so how are you growing in maturity how are you serving the body of Christ? And friends, we, our, our church is good at serving. Our, our church is good at focusing on making disciples. I've said it again and again. The point of this series is not to rebuke this church. I love it. It's just for us to all remind, remember the direction we're heading in and let's keep the steering wheel going in the right direction. How, how are you serving the body of Christ? If you don't know, then start a conversation with me or someone else in the church and say, what could I do? It doesn't have to be specifically directly in this church. It could be just, what is your ministry in this life? What gifts has God given you? Life is short. Um, work out the answers. And then I move to the third phase. So I've talked about the young years. Know, know Christ. I didn't say this, but be on your guard, the young ones. Be on your guard against conforming to the things of this world, but rather be transformed with the knowledge of God. In the middle years, the established years, be on your guard against greed. And in the old years, and I haven't made it there yet, either has Lisa, um, but in the older years, in the older years, uh, I want to suggest, friends, you've got, you've got, uh, I, I really struggle with the word to use here. I'm going to use the word freedom, but no one really is free. So I'm just going to go with freedom. You've got a, you've got a, a moment to reinvent yourself and work out what is the final phase of my life going to look like, knowing that this isn't the final phase. This is just the, the act before eternity. What, what is it? 
how, how can you use the gifts that God has given you now? I know that God, you know, there's, there's uh, however you're invested financially, I don't know where you're at, uh, you're freer from the kids living in your house perhaps. Of course, your body is not as active as it used to be and there's all sorts of things, but there is a different phase of life here, isn't there? I said in the younger age, be on your guard against conforming to the things of this world. In your middle years, be on your guard against greed. I think that in the older years, be on your guard against drifting, that thinking you've, you've, your life is now over, you're just waiting for, the, for, for God to call you home. Uh, isn't it a blessing to see Betty up here reading the Bible, you know? Um, there's, while there's breath in your lungs, while the brain is ticking, you don't have to come and um, vacuum the church. You know, I'm not asking you to, to do the things you did when you were younger, but there may, there may be other things, better things, things that you are wiser now to get done and, and be involved. Um, it may be things that no one knows about. You might, just may be a prayer warrior, that you pray all the time. And so you're reading the newsletter, you're, you're, you're reaching out and asking Kirk, what's going on, how can I help, what could, what, how can we be invested in making sure that this church keeps on flourishing for the kingdom of God? Be on your guard against drifting, not knowing what, how you're spending your days. I know that every retired person says to me that you're busier now than you ever were, and I believe you. I, I don't doubt that. But just, just, uh, just like I'm, ch- I'm checking every age, every phase, just ask, am I investing in things for this world's sake or am I investing in the kingdom to come? How do I transform my mind so that I'm now rethinking life because this is just vapour and will pass away and I want to think for the future. I've heard a few times, and I haven't spoken to anyone about this, but I've heard a few times people suggest that as you're getting closer to retirement, you might like to prepare yourself for, the, for a kind of what we might call a full-time ministry moving forward uh, because perhaps uh, you are financially okay uh, with whatever, you know, super or, or, reti- or pension, I don't, I don't know. Um, but perhaps you're, you've got, still got the brain power and you have the freedom to, do, to get involved with some pastoral care, um, for Bible study running. There's all sorts of things to be, to be creative. It's not too late to do theological study um, one way or another. To support the youth uh, for prayer and making phone calls. There's so many things that, that you can do. Friends, this is the last sermon in our series on building, growing a healthy church. I want to remind you of where we've come from. Well, five things that we've covered. There's been more than five sermons because there's been some cement uh, in, um, put between the bricks. But here are the five bricks. Uh, they're not exactly up here. But there's five things. Uh, loving God, better together, deep in the words, serving one another and seeing, seeing the fields. On the inside of your uh, handout down the bottom there, there's, there's five statements that I've been working at and I'd be happy for feedback if you think we could say these better, uh, more succinctly or more powerfully. Here's five things. We will, we will worship the living God with joy. That sentence packs in it that we will do that. We will worship, not just I. It's we. We will worship, and we won't worship any god or a fake god or the god of our imagination. It will be the living God, the true God, and we'll do it with joy because we like him. Not because we have to, but because he's worthy of all praise. We will worship the living God with joy. We will cultivate Christian community because it doesn't just happen naturally. 
what happens naturally is conflicts and divisions. But what happens with, uh, with the Spirit of God is Christian community, where we get to know one another, where we seek to know each other's names and, uh, and how we can help one another and love one another. We will grow together in Christ by diving into the Word of God, knowing it as a community through sermons, through growth groups, and personally as you seek to know God and to be devoted to, to growing up as a mature disciple of Christ. We will seek to serve the body of Christ. What needs are there and what has God designed me to do so that it's a win-win? So I actually do what I really enjoy doing and it's a benefit, a blessing to others. And we will feel the need to reach the lost. We'll feel it. We'll feel the, the tension of, of, uh, of not growing numerically. We want to grow numerically and, uh, and truthfully. We want everyone who, who passes through our church to be introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ, for them to find out what they need to know about their creator and how they can live their life at peace, knowing that the cross has conquered death, death and sin no longer has any sting in it, and now we rethink our life, living for eternity and not for vapour. Friends, let's close this uh, series with prayer. Father, you've directed us well in your word and you've made it clear to us through the Lord Jesus Christ that there is no future for us outside of our relationship with him. Father, help us to align our minds, our hearts and our wills to serve Jesus as our king. We thank you for laying down your life for your sacrifice so that we can, we can see death as, as executed, as done away with, that that is no longer our fear. Lord, help us to live our life fearlessly, living for eternity and not for the things that are trivial and pass away. We thank you for the great joys of this life. We thank you for family and friends. We thank you for the resources that you've given us in this country. We thank you for health and, and, uh, and summer. We thank you for the beach and good life. Father, we thank you for the way that you've designed us, but we thank you most importantly for the way that you've directed us. And as you've given us things in our hands to do, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to serve you all of our days, always giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Lord, guide us in spirit and in truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.